0: Good evening everyone? Good evening. It's good to see your faces. Last smile check for the week. Yes, smiling. Yes, praise God. Yes. I see you. Good to see your face. Hey. I missed you a couple of days there. Smiling. I have to see all y'all. Don't think I don't lo- just love her. I love everyone. <laughs> it's good to see you. Good good. good. Praise God. Uh, before we begin our study this evening, of course we're going to seek the Lord in prayer. And before we do that, I do want to encourage you to continue to come out and study. Uh, Just because we're ending this formal session of talks doesn't mean now everybody just goes back and just do what you've been doing. I, I promise you, if you do that, your spirituality will go away. The muscle that you've been exercising, you need to keep exercising it. So every Thursday when we have Bible study, come. Every Friday when we have Bible study, come. Whenever the church doors are open, you should make your way here for safety purposes. Whenever the church doors are open, God's people should be pressing together more and more. I I imagine a day, and I don't think it's too far away from us, but I imagine a day when like the church in the time of the early rain, the outpouring of the Spirit during the time of Pentecost. The Bible says that they broke bread daily. You know what daily means? You can't use the same word to describe a word. <laughs> daily means every day. So every day, the brothers and sisters were getting together, and when it says they broke bread, that means they were eating together. They found time as a church family to break bread as often as they could together, to draw strength from the power of unity as a family. And I'm going to tell you, the closer we come to the end of all things, the more we need to press together. It shouldn't just be a day we show up and that's it. No, my friends. In fact, I, I find that these meetings have been unique in their nature. I find that it was, it was slight revival, slight evangelistic meeting. I don't know if, that, if you found that yourself. A slight revival, slight evangelistic meeting. Calling God's people to a point of consecration and at the same time those who did not know these truths coming to a higher understanding in regards to God's word. And so in my mind as I am we're going to, the talk tonight is going to be the shortest that we've had. Oh yeah. It's going to be short. And the reason why is because you have to finish the sermon. Did you hear what I said? You have to finish the sermon. So we're going to do our, we're going to talk tonight, we're going to share, and we're going to get as far as we can in our subject matter, and then I'm going to sit down and some of you are going to come and talk. So before we begin, let's have a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, even in that first phrase, Lord, what a wonderful privilege it is to call you our Father. Lord, we are coming to the last of these sessions and these talks, and we have barely touched the surface of your word. Father, we pray this evening as we are about to study, we ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We ask that the blood of Jesus be applied to each of our accounts. We pray, Father, that as we hear, you would teach us how to apply. We pray this in Jesus' name and claim the merits of his blood. Amen. Eden restored. The idea that Eden must be restored comes from the reality that Eden was lost. You remember, if you don't don't mind just going back with me to the book of Genesis, to the very first chapter, I want to review things that you already know, but I want to make sure that you get the whole of the story tonight. In Genesis chapter 1, we find God creating man, and the Bible tells us in verse 26, God, who we would define as love, said, let us make man in our, what's it say, my friends? In our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Now remember, when God creates man in his image, he creates man reflecting his thoughts and feelings as well. In other words, love had dominion over everything. Love had rulership over everything. And when man violates their covenant relationship with the Most High, that love dominion no longer reigns. Everything changes. Now, I want you for a moment not to think about yourself, but think about the heart of God. How do you think God felt the day Adam and Eve took the fruit? What do you think he felt in his heart, in his feelings? What did he say? Pain. Sorrow. Sorrow. Yeah, these are all appropriate words to apply. Our Lord was in pain and he was in sorrow. And he knew at that moment, without question, the plan of salvation had to be implemented straight away. He knew it would be a hard thing. He knew it would not be pleasant for his children. But he knew that he could not leave mankind in the condition of perfection and still save them. Something in the nature of man changed that caused God to say, in order to save them, I must put them out of paradise. I must put them out of perfection. And I must let them understand the toil and pain and the possible consequence of sin." I want you to think about this for a moment. Some of you have had children. Some of you have not. But if you have a child, and the child is consistently and intentionally rebellious, do you keep giving that child ice cream? I've seen parents try to do this. They have a bad child, and they say, Oh, oh, Betty, Betty, don't do that. They try to speak all nice and everything. I'll get you ice cream, Betty. Betty's like, okay, I'll be good. She gets the ice cream, and what does she do after that? She goes back and does the same thing again. It's pent up in the nature of man to rebel against God. So what does God do? He puts man out in the garden, what does he have to do? He has to till the ground. Before, he could just talk to the fruit. Fruit, come down. The tree, come, fruit in your hand. Before, man... Before man could go to the garden, and he just go there and pick the fruit. Now you get in the garden. Anybody have a garden? There are weeds in that garden. i never seen so many types of bugs until I started planting the garden. Didn't even know those bugs existed. I put a potato in the ground, and I'll get all these weird-looking slugs. <laughs> Didn't know they existed. I had no idea they were there. You put an eggplant in the ground, and boom, there's a new bug for that. And there's a bug, there's a bug for every plant. But this is a result of sin and in God's mind he could not leave man in the condition of perfection for perfection would not work out what man needed to be worked out in his person so God had to put them out and some of us have to put our children out at some point because if we don't put them out And you still coddle them and still, oh, Betty, oh, Susie, oh, Betty, oh, Susie. And then when they get out and when they finally leave your house, they are spoiled rotten. And you wonder and you pray and ask God, Father, please save my children. And my friends, he wants to. But if you weren't able to implement laws and rules in your own home, they will not listen to the laws of the police or anyone else. So sometimes perfection is not good for the corrupt Nature of man, so God puts him out. Now we know the story: man's in the garden, then there's Noah's ark, and then there's all this sin that begins to proliferate throughout the whole world. And then there comes a point when God Himself manifests Himself in flesh, and He begins to walk amongst His own creation. And as He's walking amongst His creation, He's demonstrating: this is what humanity's supposed to be like. This is how humanity's supposed to talk. This is how humanity's supposed to walk. This is how humanity is supposed to love. This is what true Christians would be like. So when you see Jesus, you see what you're supposed to be. Now, when I see Jesus and I see myself, I say, man, there's a long way to go. Huh? But in Jesus is the demonstration of what God wants to do in all his creation. And in that perfect life, when he lives that perfect life and he dies, he seals in himself all that you and I need. And my friends, he dies, and when he dies, the devil loses. Jesus raises from the dead, he goes to heaven, and as he's in heaven, his perfect life he now offers. Do you want to live holy? Here's my life. Do you want to be clean? Here's my life. He's not asking you to make a new life. He's not asking you to evolve. He's asking you to accept a gift. He's asking you to accept himself. So I'm going through the plan of salvation in a very succinct manner. So as he's asking you to accept himself, then every morning when you wake up, the the role of the Christian is to die to self. Every morning. Every moment of every day, die to self. Let Christ live. Let Christ be a resident in my life. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is the life of Jesus that I am supposed to be living, character-wise. So? He lives a perfect life. He ascends to heaven, and now he begins to intercede for us. Now, as he's interceding for us, the devil doesn't want you to receive the power and the access to God that all of us have a right to. I want to read this passage in John. Go to John very quickly. John chapter 1. It's funny, I I go to John so often, I just picked up my Bible, and boom, John chapter 1, right there. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. But I want to read this to you so you can hear it with your ears and apply it in your spirit. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was, what's it say? Life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 6, there is a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. So he was the lesser light. Nobody's paying attention. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. Watch the next verses. He came unto his own and his own received him not. I love this verse. But as many as received him What does it say my friend? To them gave He power to become what, my friends? Sons Sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I love that passage. I'll read it one more time just so you can understand how much I love it. But as many as received him, who's the him? So when you receive Jesus, when you accept him as your Lord and Savior, that there is no one else that has a right to your worship. That has, there is no one else that has a right to your praise. That there is no one else that you must obey above him. When you accept him as the Lord and Savior of your life, you receive him. Now you are his children. Y'all know what that means? Listen, I'll tell you a true story. It really happened. I was going through a, a financial issue. and I, I go through those sometimes. I was going through a financial issue. I was doing an evangelistic series in Florida. One night, I was in prayer talking to the Lord about a particular problem that I had. It was an $8,000 problem. I only spoke to the Lord about it. I spoke to no man. I uttered nothing out of my mouth. I only spoke to the Lord about my $8,000 problem, my Father in heaven. And when I was coming out of the meeting one night, someone yelled from the parking lot. I couldn't see who they were. And they said, hey, Brother Waller. You need some money? <laughs> First of all, I couldn't see who was yelling randomly from the parking lot. But then in my mind, I'm like, what kind of question is that? Of course. <laughs> so I'm, I'm walking in the parking lot. The guy yells out, and I'm looking for him. I can't see him. And then he's like, over here, over here. And so he and his wife were there in the parking lot. And I walked over to them. You need some money? I was like, well, brother, I, you know, of course. I mean, we're a ministry. We always need money. He was like, all right, I won't be here tomorrow night, but I'll be here on the next night. And when I come the next night, I'm going to have something for you. He comes the next night, he puts something in my hand. Do you know how much you put in my hand? He gave me $8,000. Re- the reason why I gave you that story, because I want you to begin to understand something. We are sons and daughters of who? Tell me, what does the father own? everything he owns the hills where the cattle are and the cattle huh so we are sons and daughters of the most high God as you walk lockstep with him everything that you need he will provide exactly when you need it I speak in regards to finances for the sake of your humanity but there's something greater than finances amen You see, as sons and daughters of the Most High, you know when Jesus is on the mount and he's feeding the 5,000 and he's there, breaks the bread, and he breaks breaks the fish and the, the fish just keep coming, and the bread just keeps coming. As he's doing that, in a physical sense, you're saying, man, that's a miracle. He did that for humanity so you can get a glimpse of what he can do spiritually for you. There is no limit to the spiritual access that you and I have as children of the Most High. There is no limit to that. The Father would love to bestow all that he can. There's a quotation I love very dearly. Uh, It's from the seventh volume of the Testimonies, page 17. It says, nothing is apparently more helpless, yet really more invincible. What's the word invincible mean? It It cannot be conquered. Nothing is apparently more helpless. That means it looks weak, yet yet really is more invincible than the soul that feels it's nothingness. What is nothingness? It's nothing. It's, it's there, there, there is there's nothing to take glory in. There's no oh I'm a good person. There's no I was been a member of the church for this long. It's no I eat this much, or no, no the soul that feels its nothingness, God will send every angel in heaven huh. to the aid of such a one. Rather than allow him or her to be overcome. Do you understand what that means? That means no weapon formed against you. That means no temptation the devil comes up with. That means as I walk, lock and step with the most high God, whatever the devil thinks he can do, he has to go through a retinue of angels to get at me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if the Most High, the Most High, if Jesus Christ the righteous feels that, Andre, it's good for you to go through this temptation, I'm going to bear it. Amen? Because he's going to be right with me in the midst of it all. And sometimes as children of the Most High, we forget this. We mumble and we complain, we murmur, we talk about each other behind each other's back because we forget the Most High reigns over all things. So I say this to you because at the beginning, God made man in his own image. He crowned him with glory and honor. He gave him dominion over all things that were created. But he could not trust man with that dominion when he no longer possessed the character. I'll say it again. He could not give man the right to rule all the earth, all of creation, because he no longer possessed the character that will take care of the planet the way it's supposed to be taken care of. So his whole plan from the jump, from the beginning, let's restore man back to what he was supposed to be so I can crown him with glory and honor and give him rulership once again. You see, my friends, go with me to the book of Revelation. I want to show you something. Book of Revelation, I want you to see chapter 3. I want you to look at the church of Laodicea. I want you to hear what is said in regards to this body. It's interesting because this is the last church, the church of Laodicea. The name means a people judged, and we are in a time of judgment. And after God goes through and tells us our condition, he tells us that we are rich and increased with goods and in need of nothing. Look at at verse number 14. Watch what the Bible says because this is the last church of Bible prophecy. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, it says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things say of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither, what's it say, my friends? Cold Cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, what do they say? I am rich and increase with goods and have need of what to say? For a moment, for a moment, just take that idea and the quote that I just gave you. The one that feels his nothingness will not think that he's rich and increase with goods. A- am I right? the no, The one that feels his nothingness could not possibly enter into a church building and say, "I'm better than her. I'm better than her." I'm better than him, you know, because I can preach, and I don't know what he can do. I, I'm better than her. No, no one that enters in with the mindset of humility that understands their true position with God will ever exalt themselves. He couldn't do it. The book of Proverbs says, let another man praise thee, and not your own lips. Well, we think it in our minds sometimes. I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing. But then it says, but you are, what does it say? What is it? What does it tell them? But because uh, but it but because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing, and know it's not that thou art, what's it say? Wretched and what else? Miserable and what else? Poor and what else? Blind and what else? Let me just start with the obvious stuff right here. Let's, let's start with the obvious stuff. Um It says you don't know that you're wretched. You don't know that you're miserable. Now, a person that doesn't know that they're miserable are normally constipated people. Huh? You ever notice that that one time, this happened before, I've gone to the restroom, and I've, took you know, relieved myself, and then I feel so good. And during the whole time before, I didn't realize that I wasn't feeling good. Are you paying attention? See, people that don't know are people that are constipated. You know what spiritual constipation is? Listen to me. Spiritual constipation is I receive the word, but I don't do anything with it. I have all this truth, and all I do is come to church and say my opinion on Sabbath mornings. That's called spiritual constipation. I have all this knowledge, but I don't have a way of sharing it with anyone and putting it out before the world and asking God, Lord, with this information, with this knowledge, how can I share? Spiritual constipation. My friends, we need a diuretic. Hmm? I say it with a smile, but it's a real thing. And that's why many Adventists are really sad Adventists. not happy in Jesus, not resting in Christ, not really willing and ready to share, not willing to go the extra mile for the master because they have spiritual constipation. But there's something else obvious that I thought was strange here too. Watch what else it says. It says, thou art wretched, miserable, poor. Now, I've been poor. You might even consider me poor today. And I know I'm poor. Someone that's poor and doesn't know they're poor, I would say they're crazy. Huh? But even worse, someone that's naked and doesn't know they're naked, you would say they're crazy too. You wouldn't let somebody stand up here, I'm standing and preaching before you, and I'm naked. You'd be like, Brother Waller, paddy wagon, let's get this brother out of here. But listen, I'm saying it. But the Bible is indicating that the church in the last days has this problem. I mean, the strongest message, yes, there's the mark of the beast, and yes, there's a Sunday law, and yes, there is spiritualism, but yes, there's a problem here. Not vitally connected with the Most High. A form of godliness without power. And you know what the Bible says about that? When it talks about the form of godliness without power, it says from such turn away. God wants to restore. In order to restore, we got to recognize where we've been. Where we've been, we've been kings and queens. We were supposed to be sitting in the garden of Eden from day 1, but we have fallen away and we have allowed the devil to have control over our lives. Don't get it twisted. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness, Romans 6, 16, so we can profess one thing with our mouth, but our lives will dictate who we really say we serve. So this is the condition of the church. Because thou sayest I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Now there is counsel. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. We talked about this one one of the nights that gold tried in the fire is character. That fire is trials. As we are faithful in our trials, our characters are refined. Then it says that thou mayest be rich. And white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. That white raiment is the righteousness of Christ. And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with, what's it say? I salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, it says. Therefore, and what's the last part? Repent. What does it mean, be zealous and repent? Make haste, my friends. Do not delay. If you see that you're walking outside of God's counsel, make haste on your knees. Confess your sins to the Most High. Leave them before the Most High. And He will purify your heart and your mind and your soul. And there's a part here. This is the part where I wanted to get to. And I want you to pay attention to what it says. Here is a solution as well. Behold, He says, I stand at the door, and what does He do, my friends? Knock, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. This is his desire. And then it says this, to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me? Where, my friends? Do you see that? If you're going to sit in a throne, that means you are co-ruling? Nobody heard what that just said. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Can you imagine that? Sitting with Jesus in his throne. I don't know how big that throne is because I plan to overcome. I think you plan to overcome, right? Everybody plan to overcome? This must be a big throne. Of course, it's symbolic, indicating he's sharing his rulership. But I can't wait, my friends, when we get to heaven, I'm going to challenge you. When we get there, there's a special meeting place I would like to see you. Okay? There's a special place. Don't forget, I know we're going to go through a lot. (laughs) There's going to be trials and tribulations. There's going to be the seven last plagues. All that's coming. But don't forget what I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to be at the feet of Jesus. I would like you to meet me there at his feet. And listen, it's going to be interesting because I don't know who's going to be closer But I know we're all going to be gracious. (laughs) We're going to meet at the feet of Jesus. No more tears, no more sorrows, no more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness. All those tears will be wiped away and we're all going to be sitting there singing and praising the Most High. I would always say, they would say, you know, when I get to heaven, I want to do this and that. Listen, If I can just be at the gate, I don't have to go, listen, if I'm just like in, I don't have to go further, I'm just happy to be there. You ain't got to give me anything special. I'm just happy to be there. This stuff, done. But in order to be there, we have to follow the plan. There's trouble coming. We've talked about it. I don't want to keep talking about it we talked about it, it's coming. There's a test coming to all of us. The mark of the beast is going to be passed. I showed the video this morning that was 10 minutes long, didn't even finish the rest of the video, and it was just showing one after the other. We need to pass the law, we need to shut the day down, we need to do this, we need to do that. Um, Ford Motor Company doing a video on Sunday sacredness about a, about a truck. And I'm, in my mind I'm saying, we, I see this. It's happening, it's not a theory. Pope calls for all world leaders to meet him at the Vatican in May 2020. Let's all get together to talk about how to implement the Laodicea. Let's all get together. Why is he calling everyone together? Because all the world is going to come together. They're coalescing for the last great conflict. And many people that gather, they're being honest. They have every honest intention to bring the world the way it's supposed to be, but it won't be the way they think it should be because they violate God's law. And we're going to be the only stubborn ones, my friends. We're the only stubborn ones. No, what what does the Bible say? That should be your question every day. What does the Bible say? Somebody put some food in front of you? What does the Bible say about that food? Nope, doesn't play us. Nope, can't do that. Uh, Somebody put some entertainment in front of you. What does the Bible say about that type of entertainment? Nope, can't do that. What does the Bible say about this? Praise the Lord. The Bible agrees. Hallelujah. (laughs) This is a litmus. This is the standard. Now, listen, over the next few weeks, as we come to the Bible studies on Thursday night, I'm not just going to sit here and preach. That's not what we're going to do. Do you know what we're going to start doing? We're going to start downloading. Y'all know what I mean? Some of y'all be like, but I'm too old to memorize, Brother Waller. No, you're not. The Word of God can be hidden in this mind, and the Holy Spirit will bring it back to you. I'll, I'll tell you, so many times I've memorized Scripture, or I'll be out in the garden and going over a, or, or working in the garden, or mowing a lawn or something, and the verse will be going in my mind. And as it's going in my mind, in the moment that I'm out there doing God's work, it'll be like, bing. I'll be like, oh, that's what that means. Then I'll put everything down, go back inside, make sure I write it down somewhere. Or I'll be sleeping, I'll be sleeping, I'll dream about Bible texts. You may have had that before. I'll be dreaming and sleeping about a text, and I'll wake up and be like, that's what righteousness by faith is. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not what? Now tell me, if you don't hide it, how are you going to resist sin? You can't. If you're going to resist sin, the word of God must be hid in your heart. You must memorize it, my sister. You must memorize it, my brother, my little brother. The word of God must be part of you. You know those Waldensian children before they were the age of 12 years old had memorized the whole New Testament. They didn't have any other distractions. They knew from the early ages that when they would go and do missionary work, their life would be possibly taken. And they said, I must hide the word in my heart. Now, what I love about the Waldensians, too, they didn't just get pastors churches. In order for you to be a pastor amongst the Waldensians, you know what you had to do? You had to take the word of God. Of course, they sewed it inside their, 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 their coat pocket, right? But then they went out into the heart of Rome and they would do missionary work. And the Spirit of prophecy says wherever they went churches were raised up. And then when they would survive that then you get a church. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? In other words they had to prove their calling. Make proof of your ministry. Word of God hidden in the heart, my friends, is the way that we're going to stand firm when all the world turns against us and we are faithful when the image to the beast is set up, the image of the sun should be reflected in us. When that image is restored in man, I promise you, Jesus will not take his time to come get us. He's going to come post haste. He's coming with his sickle in his hand to gather the precious harvest that has matured, that is ready to be taken to the heavenly garners. And my friends, my challenge to you today is if Eden is going to be restored, you must remember what is being restored to the image of God in man. That is the plan. So that, so think about it now. Somebody, somebody's going to come and try to trick you when we're done. They're going to tell you, oh, they talk to you about health. That means you're being legalistic because you're trying to eat your way to heaven. Stop it. That's foolishness. Nobody said a thing like that. What we're telling you is your body is a temple. And therefore, you only put holy things in the? Therefore, I can now restore. I can be built back up to what God would have me to be. But trust me when I tell you the food of this day will never equal the food of Eden. There's no such thing as holy flesh. That's not what we're talking about. But what we're saying is we are in cooperation. Think about it for a moment. Daniel is in Babylon, and he asked the king for food. Give us pulse to eat and water to drink for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, please give us a test. My friends, I want to tell you something right now. There is no scientific proof or evidence that in 10 days you're going to look that much better than your friends. What happened was because they were faithful, God blessed their faithfulness. So every time they ate that fruit, God put something special in it. Huh? Every time they were faithful, God said, Let me do something extra with that vegetable right there. Boom, doom. Huh? Let me give that some extra enzyme right there. Let me give that some extra flavor. God saw their faithfulness and said, I will bless their faithfulness, not because there's something in the fruit, because there's something in being reliant upon him. Does that make sense, my friends? So don't let somebody come and tell you that's legalism to eat right. That's legalism because you're going to church on the the fourth day. Wait a second. Are you supposed to be disobedient in order to get to heaven? Does that make sense? Let me me make it very plain. Legalism is man's attempt to save himself, offering his fruits as evidence for his entry into heaven. And I believe everyone here has found Jesus, and you know that when you present anything, you present Jesus, the perfect one. Is that right? I hope you don't go to heaven and say, Father, today I was so good. I went to church, and I was faithful all day long, and I was kind. Even when the pastor was weird. (laughs) I hope that's not your prayer. I hope your prayer is very simple. There's nothing good in me. Father, please save me from myself. Any moment without you, I'm lost. I can't breathe without you, Lord. People get on my nerves if you're not there. (laughs) Huh? Huh? I'm talking about these honest open conversations where where there's nothing hidden from God, where there is no exaltation of self, where you acknowledge that the most high, Jesus himself, Jesus Christ himself is your only means in. I have no heaven to give you. I promise you that. Nobody does. There's no church on planet earth that can give you a heaven. Only Jesus can. You see, this this restoration that God desires to have for his children this restoration begins today. Every choice you make, every time you get up, that first angel says, fear God, give glory to him. Why? For the hour of his judgment is come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the seas and the fountains of water. So now when you get up in the morning and you do that 30-minute exercise that my brother talked about last night, you're praising God the whole way. Because you know, in that 30 minutes, something special is supposed to happen in the body where it reduces. The, what does it reduce, my brother? 30 minutes? Reduce stress. Reduce stress? Diabetes by 50%? Cancer. So I'm walking. As you walk, you understand that this is a gift. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every walk is a praise to the Most High. When you open your Bibles in the morning and you get to feed on this word, it's an opportunity to praise God. I don't have a lot to say tonight. I want you in your minds eye brothers and sisters when you walk away from these meetings. I haven't told you everything. There are many more doctrines that you can know. You can know about the second coming, how he comes through the clouds. I mean that's knowledge, that's information. He comes to the clouds. It's not a secret. Everything breaks up. <laughs> the clouds, the, there's thunder and there's lightning. The wicked run to the rocks. They ask the rocks to fall on them and hide them from the face of him that sits on the throne. That's information. I can share that with you. I can tell you there's going to be a thousand years of peace. Satan's going to be locked on this planet while we're in heaven opening books, reviewing the history of all those who did not make it in. And let me tell you, during that thousand years, I'm going to be in heaven, so you're not looking at my books. Amen. That thousand years ends, that holy city, New Jerusalem comes down. An enemy gets all his army together and they want to come and knock people out and take the holy city. But they don't win that fight. In fact, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 21, you get 20, Revelation chapter 20. When you get home, read it. You will have a handout later as well. When at the end of that thousand years, they surround the city and God stops them in their tracks. And there's a judgment that is seen right there. And every detail of every decision that you have made will be right there on that screen. Your life. Hopefully, hopefully none of us are looking at that screen like that. But on that screen, my friends, every rejection of the most high. You'll see the angels that were in this room encouraging you to make the right decision. You'll see them sitting there saying, hey, make the choice. Follow the most high. Give of yourself. You're going to see it. Like right now, you can't see it. But when that books are open, they're going to see all the all the background, all the times the the angels stopped those cars from flipping over and, and crashing. You're going to see all the times the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and say, don't do this. Don't go there. Please hold. Listen to me. Cry out. You're going to see all of it. And the Bible tells us that at that point, once everybody sees that God has done everything possible to save mankind, the Bible says every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. And then the sad part is fire comes down. And it comes down because all of a sudden everybody starts looking around and blaming. You knew and you didn't tell me. It's you that held me back. Everybody starts fighting with each other, man. They start fighting with each other. And God in his great mercy allows fire to come down from heaven and it consumes them. I was thinking, I put myself in both positions. The first position was, I'm inside the New Jerusalem. I'm safe. I'm saved. That there's nothing that I have to worry about anymore, but then I see on the outside of that city people that I've preached to and talked to. On the outside of the city, I see family members, or friends. And I cannot imagine what it would be for me to be inside and they're outside. And fire comes down and wipes them up. Do you know that there's going to be crying and tears inside the new Jerusalem? And that's why in Revelation 21 it says that God will wipe all tears from their eyes. Because it's a sorrow, my friends. It's a sorrow that no human bomb could possibly heal. Only God himself to wipe those tears from their eyes. But then I did something else. I put myself outside the city. I didn't want to do that for too long. But outside the city are the liars and the thieves, those who have rejected the Messiah, rejected their salvation. Outside the city are those who had the opportunity, have heard messages over and over again mm-hmm. and rejected those messages, who've preached the message but weren't sanctified by the message outside the city. And I thought to myself, as I imagined myself outside that city, I would probably be angry. I would be angry. I'll be angry at me. <laughs> I'll be angry at everybody around me. I'll be upset. And I'm looking at at the story where they are surrounding the city to take the city, and they, they would have had opportunity over and over and over again. And then all my life flashed before my eyes. Have you seen your dirt recently? Have have you thought of what God has saved you from recently? All of that would be there <laughs> with the subtext. Gabriel tried here, Andre. I sent this preacher here, Andre. I sent this messenger here, Andre. Your Bible was sitting there in the morning. I would shake you in the morning, Andre. Let's have worship. Man, I need a little bit more sleep. I don't like that story. While we have opportunity, where it does not have to be forced from us, I think we should bow to the most high. What do you say? I think while we have opportunity, while there's still time, while the truth has been presented, I say give Jesus all your heart. Don't hesitate. Don't wait for a better day, or better time. There is no better day, and there is no better time, except for right now. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Today is your day to make that decision 100% for him. Eden will be restored. All things will be made new. But the greatest restoration that God desires is the restoration of his children to sit on the throne. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. <laughs> Our Father in, in heaven, We don't want to play around with our Christianity. (laughs) We want to be Christians for real from the inside out. Father, you have spoken to us over and over and over again. And we're looking for those That special time, that special moment where we can just, we can be right and then come to you. But that's not how it works. You want us to come as we are and you'll make us right. So Father, I ask right now as I begin to ask for decisions that you would rest your Holy Spirit upon each heart and mind. Tonight, my friends, there is somebody in this room, and I don't know who you are. But there's someone in this room who has not given themselves 100% to God. And tonight you've heard God speak to your heart and you know that he is calling you. And tonight you wanna make that decision to go 100% with him all the way, 100% commitment all the way with Jesus all the way to the watery grave. If that's you tonight, I just want you to raise your hand immediately. Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, you see the hands, the raised hearts Father, I I, I pray, Lord, that the work that you have begun as you are the great author, that you are the great finisher as well. I pray, Lord, that you do something amazing so that the world can see the supernatural change that has come over the hearts and the minds of those who've committed themselves to you tonight. Father, please, please, Lord, my second appeal we're having a baptism next week we're having a baptism in a a few weeks after that and we want you to get ready for that baptism i know some of you have already raised your hand for baptism but if you have not raised your hand for baptism from this morning but you want to be baptized and you want to be prepared for baptism and i will study with you we will study with you as a team is there anyone like that here tonight you want to be baptized just raise your hand quickly i see your hand is there anyone else Anyone else? Just raise your hand where you are. Amen. Father, you sing the hands. And Lord, at the end of the day, you are amazing. Your word says, where the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents all the worth of a soul father help us to see it thank you father and and the last thing father i ask that lord all of us who are here on bended knee with our heads bowed i pray for a greater outpouring of your spirit that as we walk the walk of the christian throughout the rest of this week as we move forward father may we walk in such union with you that every day with Jesus will be sweeter than the day before. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, and we claim the merits of his blood. Amen.